The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I am terribly, terribly sorry about how late yesterday's podcast actually got up on the internet. It has been a brutal stretch over here, but no excuses. Got to get it up on the webs earlier, and so today's will be. This one should be up by about 10.30 Pacific time or so. Uh, and then hopefully tomorrow's show, depending on time, I can get out first thing in the morning. So you'll have that bad boy, you know, on your way to work or whatever. I have a question for you guys, and maybe I'll I'll ask it on Twitter. Would you guys want this show to be available earlier every day, or is this okay? Because sometimes I record the night before, and then I hold off on posting until like, you know, 8.30 or 9 o'clock Pacific time the following morning, when I could... I could probably set it to just drop at like 3 in the middle of the night. It'll just be up when you guys wake up. Anyway, if you're, if you're thinking about it and you know, you're listening to the show and you feel like tweeting at me, you can do so. I am Dan Bespris, also my Twitter handle, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Let me know your thoughts on that question and so many other things as we work our way through the show and was, as we work our way through the NBA season. This is Fantasy NBA Today. That's the name of the pod. It's a hoop ball show. Hoop ball. I was talking to Brew actually recently about it. It's really, we've sort of done a funny thing with the name of the website to just call it hoop ball. It's really like two things you can do. It's really hoop and ball. We jam them together. So hoop-ball.com is the website. Go check out the premium membership. Get those live interactive shows. Those are so sweet. Those are so sweet. It's 30 bucks. You can get three and a half dollars off. With promo code DOC, D-O-C, that's for the whole season. You'll have access to, you know, five to seven live shows every week, in addition to all the other cool stuff, projections and tools and what have you. Uh, again, promo code is DOC, D-O-C, for three fifty off. This show is also brought to you by Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. H-I Kona Coffee on Twitter, HawaiianIsles.com. Go check them out. Get your coffee fix. Forget making that Starbucks run every morning. Just get it, the good stuff, at your doorstep at Amazon. Searching for Amazon, uh, for Hawaiian Isles on Amazon. And it'll come prime next day delivery if you spend enough ducats on Amazon. Usual fare today on today's po- uh, this podcast, we're going to be going over the nine-game Wednesday results. I had a few things that I thought were kind of interesting we could kind of hone in on a little bit. We've got the four-game Thursday, which I guess by all accounts is sort of the usual. Not a ton, not too few. Uh, and then we'll get you set up for the weekend because I actually do have kind of a cool... Uh, you know, it's, I want to say a cool guest. It's a really, it is a cool guest, but I don't know. Well, we'll see. I might, I might tell you about it later in, uh, later in the podcast. I haven't decided yet on that one. First things first, diving into the Wednesday results. It was a fun one. Actually, we had a number of high scoring affairs, Houston, Golden State. That was a ton of points in that one. Detroit, New York and a blowout. Indy, Washington. I think Washington's going to be playing some high-scoring games this year. Memphis, Miami, Minnesota was a fun one. Utah, Philly was a good one. Milwaukee, LA, Orlando, Dallas. There were two really significant blowouts on the card. Uh, and out of nine games, that's not that bad. So we had we had a lot of really competitive ones yesterday. That was fun. Um, Washington at Indiana. The whole Isaiah Thomas in the starting lineup thing has not gone as well as hoped. 
He actually got off to a pretty good start in yesterday's game. I think he had seven points and three assists in the first half, and then he hit a three-pointer and had one assist in, like, seven second-half minutes and then just didn't get back in there. So that worries me a little bit. I'll admit. Um, obviously, I'm still holding there because his per-minute production is better than most. And heaven forbid he actually gets a few free throws at some point. I know he doesn't have the lift, the ability to draw the fouls like he used to. You know, people stay down on him. They're, you know, he's just not going to get fouled. But uh, he doesn't miss once he gets to the line. Historically, he just doesn't miss. That's where he can collect a whole boatload of points. He's almost a 90% career foul shooter. I think he's at 88% for uh, his almost decade-long career now. So if we can just find a way to get him to the free throw line like two and a half times per game, that would actually be a really nice thing. And anything over that would be obviously some pretty good gravy. Uh the minutes were lower, which is also disconcerting. So here's what I'm wondering with IT. Uh, he didn't play down the stretch in that ball game. Was it because they were just getting whipped, or is it because he was getting roasted by Malcolm Brogdon? Because that's a thing. I mean, Brogdon's really damn good. Brogdon actually didn't have a particularly good game. They had other guys on him for long stretches, but maybe that was the fear there. In any event, you're not dropping him. Um, Rui Hachimura is just not a nine-category guy. I don't know how many times we have to sort of cross that same bridge here he'll probably get better as the season goes on but what we've seen so far is points and rebounds and he's you know he's like a rookie iteration of Bobby Portis so I'm not I'm not into it Thomas Bryant looks good no defensive stats in this one but the percentages are always going to hoist his value as they should one of those guys that you know you probably you probably had to overspend a tiny bit to get him on draft night but so far he's looked really good he's played big minutes he's number 36 49% from the field, 83 at the foul line. Solid kind of Miles Turner fill-in type numbers. And you got him a few rounds later. CJ Miles doing something is a weird occurrence. Uh, He's actually had two good games since coming back from, you know, like two years of (laughs) being uh, relegated off in, in basketball wilderness. I mean, we know how hot he can get from downtown. I find it incredibly odd that he's seen now 19 and 23 minutes in his first two games back there there it doesn't make any sense to me that he should be playing half a ball game but if he really plays 24 minutes a game in this team's offense he's gonna take a crap load of three pointers well we shall see I'm not buying into it yet nor should you yes he's top 50 in two games back that's also the magic of limited sample size Uh, And Davis Bertans, as we mentioned, he's going to run hot and cold. So far, he's actually been kind of inside the cut line. He strikes me as a guy that could settle into more of a streaming-type role. Uh, Three-and-a-half three-pointers a a game, though, is you can't argue with that. That is actually significant. Even though threes are coming by the boatload this year, uh, that does put him inside the top ten in the NBA in threes per game with Cat. I know, that's a weird one. Uh, Kyle Lowry, Dame, Kemba, James Harden, Buddy Heald. Joe Harris, Davis Bertans. One of these things is not like... Uh, I guess Cat is really the one of these things that's not like the others. Uh, but then Davis is the only other one who's kind of up there as a center-eligible guy. So he's hitting a crap load of three-pointers. He's doing it at a high percentage right now. He makes his free throws, but there really isn't anything else. So he's, he's full-on specialist. And guys like that, as the league settles over the course of the year, you know, guys like I just mentioned, Buddy Heald, 
He's behind Davis right now. If you look at the rankings, you can probably pick out 20 guys that are currently behind Bertans. That'll probably end up in front of him, and that's what'll shove him back out towards that 90 to 100 range. I think that's probably where he finishes on a per-game basis. So I'm not making any adjustments to my Wizards in this one. Troy Brown had a rough one. He was a guy that was on our watch list. A lot of people picked him up probably too early, but if you're in a hyper-competitive league, sometimes you got to get out in front of it. For the Pacers, Demonis Sabonis came back, played 28 minutes, and looked solid enough. Not great, but fouled out. Doug McDermott, filling in for Jeremy Lamb, had his probably his best game of his career yesterday. But no, you're not doing anything with that. Jakar Sampson got the start. Goga Batadze, off the bench, did not block a shot after blocking four for three games in a row. You know, he's got streaming appeal until Miles Turner is back, but I'm not really diving into any of that. I just, I don't trust it. Soon as you try to stream a guy like that, they're going to crap themselves, and that's kind of what you saw yesterday. New York, Detroit. Mitchell Robinson got his bell rung. He will not play in their next ball game. We know that already. That's the advantage, by the way, to recording this podcast in the morning. We get the, the morning news breaks in there. So Robinson is out for a little bit. Concussion protocol. So what the hell happens, I don't know. Uh, more Julius Randle at center. Uh, we will probably see a few extra minutes of Bobby Portis, although it didn't really translate in yesterday's game. Surprising, by the way, given that Andre Drummond was on the other side of the ledger. You would have thought, go as big as humanly possible. And if you're not going to play Mitchell Robinson, the next biggest center would actually probably be Taj Gibson, and he did play 21 minutes. And then it's Bobby Portis. So I don't know. I hate all of those guys from a fantasy standpoint. Um, Yes, even Julius Randle I kind of hate for fantasy. He had a slightly better game yesterday, but he finds a way to drag you down even in his good games right now. The entire Knicks team grabbed 30 rebounds. Uh, The Pistons grabbed 43, which again tells you how many shots actually went in the bucket in this game. Many of them on the Detroit side. Marcus Morris, I I actually think he's going to be pretty good all season long. I'm a little bit upset that I didn't pounce on it quicker. I did get him in one spot where he got dropped after a couple of those quiet games, but his numbers early in the season were a very strong indicator that he was going to have a good year. You know, he had that first giant game opening night, 26 points, he shot the ball well, and then he went cold for four games in a row, 11, 12, 10, and 9 points, and people dropped him. And I said, yeah, you know, he's a fringy guy at that point. But the minutes were there. The shots were there. They just weren't going in. And so when you factor into the account that the 30-some-odd percent from the field was probably going to creep back into the low 40s, you could make that adjustment in your mind. And now all of a sudden, he's a top 50 guy this year. 18 points, 2.5 threes, 1.4 steals, 0.9 blocks. Here's what's coming down. The defensive stats. He's never racked up defensive stats like this in his NBA career. Last season, played 28 minutes a game with Boston, 0.9 combined. 2015 in Detroit, he averaged 36 minutes a game, and he had 1.1 combined steals and blocks, and this year he's at 2.3. So that's coming back down. He'll settle back more towards that 75 to 90 range, but that's still a guy that should be used every night. Frank Nilakina played 39 minutes. If he's going to be on the floor that long, he'll probably do enough in assists and defensive stats to be in a lineup. Um, but as soon as Alfred Payton comes back, either they're both going to be cooked or just Nilakin is going to be cooked, one or the other. Tony Snell hit all nine of his shots, so you're not picking that up. Markeith Morris had 22, but Blake Griffin is probably within a week of coming back, so you're likely not doing anything there. 
Langston Galloway had 13. Luke Kennard, 12, 9, and 7. That's actually a pretty well-rounded line for him. Missed a bunch of shots, but that's nice to see him do some other stuff. Bruce Brown had 9, 3, and 6. All of this stuff gets blown to smithereens when Derek Rose and Blake Griffin come back. The only, the only member of that crew that I just mentioned that probably survives this is Kennard, just outside the top 100. And then obviously Andre Drummond, who's been a hyper-mega beast so far this year. Not a lot to take from that team. Golden State loses to Houston on the road, um, just barely outside the, the spread on this game. Alec Burks was the warrior du jour, as I called it in my tweet storm last night, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. You can't... So here's the thing. Eric Pascal seems like the guy that's going to be okay on a night-to-night basis. He had another decent ball game with 19-6, and six, made all five of his free throws. That's actually been somehow, believe it or not, maybe his best statistical category to this point. But he had plenty of shots. What I don't like from Pascal is that there isn't much beyond points and free throw percent. That leads me to say as soon as anyone gets back in the mix that shaves his attempts from 15 a game down to 11 or 12, his value takes a big hit. Because right now his value is in the volume. He needs to score a bunch of points. He needs to get to the foul line in order to float it. Because without the scoring in the free throws, six boards, three assists, a couple of three-pointers, no defensive stats, that wouldn't have gotten the job done. So yes, obviously he needs to be used right now, but just be aware that when the bad one comes, it's going to be a really weird line. Glenn Robinson III woke up in this ballgame, his usage up near 18 instead of down at like 8 or 9. This is sort of what we were hoping for with him, was actually go rebound, hit a couple threes, no defensive stats, but you know those usually are in the mix for him. Uh, Kai Bowman was not good. Jordan Poole was not good. Bowman played a ton of minutes. I'm curious what happens when D'Angelo Russell comes back, because that's a, that's a soon one. And you can't hold all of these guys. You can't hold Burks, Pascal, Robinson, Poole, and Bowman. No one has five slots on their team to just stash a warrior. So Pascal is the guy that should be on your team. I think the rest of these guys you can just sort of chill and watch and see what happens. I like Bowman's ability to get assists but that might go away when Russell comes back. And then Alec Burks is not going to get this hot every game. He's coming off the bench. He obviously got a few extra minutes, most likely at the expense of Jordan Poole. And that could easily flip back in the next one. I suggested it on Twitter, and I'll suggest it here. I want someone to somehow take P.J. Tucker and Daniel House and graft them together into a Franken-basketball monster and just make that my logo for Fantasy NBA Today or just my Twitter avatar. It's just like a P.J. Tucker, Daniel House combo human uh dan j tuck dan j taus dan u j hucker a peanut butter and <laughs> jelly house sandwich i don't know all of those are terrible that's why you don't do nicknames on a podcast on the fly pj tucker 22 11 and 4 house 17 and 6 they combined for nine three-pointers 17 rebounds five assists uh, they shot 64 and 60% between the two of them. And everybody freaks out when PJ has a super quiet line, but that's the life of the 3 and D guy. He's number 30 on the year, guys, right now. 30. Please hold it together. House is 46. Everybody's like, oh, bad game, got to drop. No, 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 no. Just because there's a bad game doesn't mean it's time to drop. Everybody that's not inside the top 15 eventually has a really bad game. That's just the NBA. Remember when House came off the bench for one game 
That was dumb. They lost that game. Then they started twice, and they've won a couple. Now, obviously, the competition matters in that regard. Houston had has had some relatively wimpy competition here. They beat Washington. They beat Memphis. They beat Golden State. But whatever. These guys have been amazing. I love them both. Must start, must own. Clint Capella, six blocks. That's a big turnaround for him. He was hovering in the 70-something mark, and one huge game, he's back inside the top 50. Beautiful thing this time of year, isn't it? Tomas Sadoransky, huge one. We had been mentioning here uh, his last two games on the podcast this week. I said I watched the Chicago game, and Sadoransky was the guy I thought looked really good. Remember that? That was like three days ago I said that on the show. Uh, his ownership had dropped to like 40, and I said this is a guy you got to watch, and if he has a good ball game, you scoop him. He's been really aggressive for Chicago the last two or three games, and finally... He started taking some shots in this one. That's the big difference. So instead of just the rebounds and the assists, he added a a monster 27-point outing. So he now is the guy. He's definitely an ad. The other two point guards, well, Chris Dunn actually had a five-steal game, but then Kobe White went quiet. Yes, there's obviously an issue there, and it could shift back again, but it's starting to look a little bit like, and this is not just a one-game thing for, for Sato. This is like three games in a row where he's looked more comfortable running things. That is going to hurt Zach Levine, but it's going to help the Bulls. Generally, they look better. I mean, except for the fourth quarter against the Lakers, they look pretty good in that ballgame. Otto Porter had one of the best lines of the entire night in only 12 minutes. Five out of six shooting, 13-4-2-2-1. He had three threes, three defensive stats, and he only played a quarter of this game before hurting his foot, which is both, it's two things. Number one, it's brutal because... I mean, come on, he's had enough stuff going on. And number two, it's a not very subtle reminder of how good Otto Porter can be when he actually has a reasonable role in a team's offense. By the way, can I point out to you guys, as bad as Otto's been so far this year, he's still ranked 130, which is like 60 slots ahead of a lot of dudes that you guys are all picking up right now. Should I pick up Markel Fultz? Nah, he's number 170. You guys are all, I mean, oh boy. Whatever, I'm not going to get into to individual guys. But Otto Porter, even at his worst, is still right on the edge of rosterable. This is a guy, I mean, just like, here's the exercise for today on why we don't drop guys like Otto Porter. Look at his damn game log with Chicago last year. And I get it, there are more bodies, new bodies, Sato, Thad Young, Kobe White. There's stuff... That wasn't there last season. More guys are healthy. No one's coming for his spot on this team. The only thing that could stop Otto is Otto and the terrible Bulls offense. But if you look at his games post-trade last year, they were whoppers. You know, he was up around 20 points a game. He was 7-8 rebounds a lot of nights. Multiple steals, multiple blocks, multiple assists, two three-pointers, good free throw percent. This is a guy that's been a top 20 dude in his fantasy career. It wasn't that long ago. So please, I beg of you guys, don't drop Otto Porter. In 32 minutes a game with the Washington Wizards two seasons back, he averaged 15, 6.5, two two defensive stats, two three-pointers on 50% from the field and 83 at the foul line with one turnover. He was number 20 that year. And his role, I believe at some point this season, will be larger than whatever that was in Washington. 
Is it a buy low? Yeah, absolutely. You could get him for pennies right now because this owner's probably beyond frustrated. I haven't been one spot, and I'm pretty frustrated. But I also look at him, and I'm like, look at this guy. We know what he can do. We know what he can do. He's too good. By the way, over the last week, he's number 78. So you guys are still clobbering him, and he's a seventh-round pick over the last week with the injury game blended in. What if he played the rest of yesterday's game? Was that going to be a 20.7 rebound type thing? This is probably your last chance, unless this is a significant injury, which I don't know that it is. We, we don't have the full report on that yet. Um, but, it, I mean, I would lob some clunker late guys out. <clears throat> Atlanta side was ugly. Jabari Parker had a decent ball game, and everybody else was terrible. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, no. DeAndre Bembry, no. Kevin Herter, close-ish. I'm going to throw this one out, but just be aware that I don't... That I don't. To me, it's not a sure thing that anybody for Atlanta is going to fill that void beyond Jabari Parker. This really might be a two-fantasy-player team this year. They had a lot of good stuff last season, and now they've just... It's just Trey Young, and if he's terrible, then everybody's terrible. Sacramento, uh, kind of hanging in there in Toronto... Bogdan Bogdanovich, 22, six three-pointers, not a ton of other stuff, which is a little frustrating, but who cares because uh, not many of us were playing him in yesterday's ballgame anyway. This was kind of the first signs of life for him. He had an okay game uh, against the Blazers, their second game of the year when he had 16 points and three steals. To me, his role is just not secure enough. He's owned, by the way, in all of my competitive leagues, and I don't get it. This is a guy that's, prior to last night, actually hurting your basketball team. Shooting 34.5% from the field, 65 at the free throw line, 11, 2.5, and 3? That's awful. You're blowing games caps on him. I mean, yesterday, if you got lucky, that was a huge roll of the dice. He is not only a bench guy for me, but he's probably a drop. There's just not enough for him out there. Most games. And in this one... Uh, he took Nemanja Bielitsa's minutes. So if you're like, oh, he got minutes as a guard. Yeah, he did. Uh, but they shifted everybody up. So it was Rashawn Holmes at center for most of the game. And then they ran a Barnes, Heald, Bogey, uh, De'Aaron Fox for the other spots. A lot of games, they'll run Bielitsa next to Holmes or Holmes next to Bagley when he comes back. And then things get even more complicated. So this wasn't really like, oh, something opened up at a guard spot. They just went ultra small. Well, not ultra small, I guess. They still had Holmes out there, who's technically a center. Uh, Buddy Heald, signs of life. 16 shots. Tied for the team lead in that department. He had five three-pointers. That's not bad. Percentages are down for him, but they'll come around. Uh, Harrison Barnes, who's one of my least favorite guys in fantasy, has actually been quietly not terrible this year. So I'll give credit where credit's due. If you took a chance on him, so far you've been rewarded. But there are reasons for concern. Number one, his field goal percent is way up over his career mark. 49% versus career 45. His steals are way up over his career mark. 1.3 this season, 0.7 for his career in about the same number of minutes per game. So we're not, you know, it's not like he's seeing a, a larger volume of anything. Turnovers are down which I maybe could hold. I don't know. We'll see how that one shakes out. They've never been all that high for him, so I'm not going to put too much stock in it. 
But if those steals and that field goal percent regress to the mean with Barnes, then he falls back towards the edge of the top 100, where we figured he would be as a super boring uh, scoring whatever with like one and a half three-pointers per game. He's a really boring fantasy guy. It's fine. He's a fill-out-your-roster kind of dude, but he's also probably a little bit of a sell-high right now. Toronto's a pretty easy team to handicap these days. Marcus Gasol is hanging on to fantasy dear life. I'm actually fine with moving on, honestly, if something really cool pops up. Right now, there's been like a two- or three-day, what I would call a little bit of a dearth of interesting fantasy pickups. So you're probably not just going to cast him off into the ocean for nothing. Uh, Freddie Van Fleet, we already talked about how he was a sell-high guy, and, and just very slowly... He's sort of settling back towards what we expect. And these games are fine. You know, 12 points, 5 assists, a steal. That's fine. It's not going to kill you, right? He's not going to be bad. This is where I need to draw the line in the sand. He's also not going to shoot 97% at the free throw line for the year. He's a good foul shooter, 85 for his career, but 997 on high volume. Um, the points, the assists, all that stuff is sort of settling back to where we expected. So... You've got a guy who got off to this rip-roaring top 25 kind of start. He's still, that number 40 next to his name in ranking is still there. So you could probably get rid of him and get someone in the top 50 back right now. Get someone who's, you know, is going to finish around number 40, but is underperforming. How do we do that? Well, like we talked about on yesterday's show, you go to the player list, sort by all players, Look at the preseason ranks and check out some of the guys drafted between 35 and between 30 and 50 and see who among them is probably on their way up. Uh, let's see. Chris Paul, that'd be tough to get him right now. He's starting to pick it up. He's been on the he's been roaring forward. Uh, would I trade Freddie Van Fleet for Otto Porter Jr.? No, I don't think I would. Hmm. There aren't a lot of names in that range that make a ton of sense uh jason no excuse me rob covington that's a possibility i might lob it out for that one rob's been coming on steals and blocks starting to show up for roco but i trade freddie van fleet for demar Derozan. hmm eh, i guess it depends on statistical need but yeah probably clint capella that's a guy you could probably target although again after yesterday's big ball game you might not be so fortunate. Anyway, just a couple of guys in that range. Check it out. You'll find them if they're relevant to you. And then everybody else with Toronto is uh, pretty easy to pick out of a uh, fantasy lineup here. Minnesota at Memphis. This is a betting angle I mentioned on yesterday's podcast. When a superstar comes back for a team, it's a good idea to fade that team for one ball game. And sure enough, Cat was good. Wiggins was actually not that bad in this ballgame, but overall, Minnesota just didn't play focused. I think they figured, ah, oh, we got our guy back. We're fine. Uh, and then they got run out of the gymnasium. Jared Culver was actually pretty good in this ballgame, and I don't know if that's the start of anything. He's he's pretty readily available in most fantasy leagues. Played well with Cat out in one of the two games, and now played well with Cat back in a start, although Jeff Teague and Shabazz Napier were both out. So, grain of salt. Teague will obviously take that job back, but would be an interesting thing to look at down the line if they start to move any of those other guards. Dylan Brooks had 31 for Memphis, which is going to float his value in a huge way, but overall, he has not really been much beyond scoring so far this year. I I'm not... He he's heavily owned uh, as of today, 
from 7% to 20% owned. That's a big leap. And so if you wanted him, you probably already missed your chance. But 20% still means a lot of leagues don't have him. It just means mine do. All of my leagues, he's already been picked up. But if you look at his, his stat set, which is basically the free throws right now are floating it. Uh, the low turnovers and the high scoring are floating his numbers. That's stuff that could potentially hold, but is also sort of a redundant statistical cat. And won't, the free throw is not going to hold. 94%, that's not. He's 73% last year, 75 the year before that. He's not going to be 94% all year. He could make a jump upwards, but it's not going to be that high. Um, the minutes are much closer to two years ago, but I don't think you can draw a, a line between the two because now he's a third-year guy as opposed to a, a rook. But the free throws are coming down. Uh, probably not going to shoot 41% from downtown all year. Steals, rebounds, assists, all that stuff is pretty sustainable. But I do see a little bit of a, a trickle off here. Still, at the moment, uh, he's inside the cut line. And so you could roll him out there and, and use him to get some scoring on your team. Hope that the other stuff holds. Hope that he doesn't have one of those poor shooting nights because he could put a dent into you. Um, but he should probably be on your fantasy team right now. And he's, uh, again, not particularly heavily owned. Opposite side of that coin, Jay Crowder, also not particularly owned, uh, but not shouldn't be. <laughs> he stinks. Brandon Clark, very good. JV, 27 minutes. I really like where this is going. He hasn't really sort of cut loose yet on the offensive side. Ja and Dylan Brooks are taking all the shots for the Grizzlies, and it worked in this one. They scored 137 points on 57% from the field. Um, but JV is getting there, and that's a really good sign. So if you've got him, hang on tight. Things are about to get real pleasant for you. The guy that things have gotten unpleasant for is Jaron Jackson Jr., who I have to believe isn't healthy. You know, he sat out. Did he actually sit out a game? Now I got to go back and check while I'm talking. Yeah, he skipped one game for knee soreness, came back and looked terrible. He finished with three fouls, so if there was any issue early, it didn't creep up later. He's just got to find a way to be productive on the floor. Right now, he feels like the most disappointing. Is he the most disappointing fantasy pick of the year so far? He might actually be, which is a real pisser. Um, you know, those of you that listen to this show during the offseason, we said a million times he's going too early, so we're probably not going to have him anywhere. I thought the spot I'd like to take him was between 50 and 65, and obviously that still, at the moment, is way too early. But if you guys went by that Bible that I was saying, wait to see if he falls into the 50s, you probably don't have much of Jared Jackson Jr. either. You may have gotten caught up in the hype, even though our greatest rule in all of drafting is don't ride the hype train. But there is reason for optimism. He still blocks a ton of shots when he's on the floor. His percentages are going to come up. Well, field goal percent at least. And there's just no way he's any worse than this at this point on. So what do we do about it is the follow-up question. Can you, can you go get him? Sort of. Someone spent a big boatload of cash on him on draft day, whether it was a high draft pick or if you're in an auction league, an actual boatload of cash. So it's going to be hard to pry him from somebody. But after yesterday's game, this is your best opportunity. So find someone on your team that you drafted much later, maybe a 6th, 7th, 8th round type of guy, who's overperforming. This is the same exercise we talked about before. Don't go for the ultimate heist right out of the shoot, or the person's just going to stop paying attention to you. So find somebody you drafted between 75 and 100 
who's just crushing right now. Who are those guys? Uh, Ricky Rubio has been really good, drafted in that range. Freddie Van Fleet, we just talked about him a minute ago. Uh, Jante Murray, although, you know, he has a maximum... I'm not parting with him, because as his minutes go up, he could actually even get better. Um, Demonis Sabonis, would you trade him for Jaron Jackson? I actually wouldn't. I'd rather have Sabonis. Hassan Whiteside, definitely a guy to consider moving before the free throws blow up your team. If you want to go any earlier in guys that you've drafted, I, you know, I would throw... Well, I go later here. You could say Jeremy Lamb has actually been really good. Lonzo Ball has been a top 50 guy so far this season, although I'm not sure people are aware of it. If you want to look at guys drafted just before 75, um, Kelly Oubre is in that list. But now you're starting to get into guys that I don't know if I'd want to move. What about somebody drafted in that range that's just sort of not overperforming or underperforming? What about like John Morant? Would you trade him for Jaron Jackson? I would. I think Jaron finishes the year higher in nine cat. Different stats set, obviously. What about Josh Richardson? Would you trade him for JJJ? I'm actually not sure I would. I might. Something to think about. Zach Levine? I might. Well, look at your team. Again, you know better than I did, but this is how you play the matching game. Jonathan Isaac! Holy crap! 13, 10, and 5 with four steals, six blocks, a three-pointer, five out of eight shooting, and he made both both free throws. He has arrived. Holy moly. Um, I did not see this type of leap coming, and I am excited because in one league, I just sort of happened upon Isaac thinking, I think he had fallen to like 61. I was on the turn, end of the fifth, beginning of the sixth round, and I thought, ah, what the hell? And I grabbed him, I thought, he'll probably perform somewhere around where I'm taking him here. You know, he's getting drafted between 55 and 70 in general. And in my mind, I thought, well, he's probably about a top 60, 65 kind of guy. I got him right where he belongs. And here we are, talking about a guy who's a first-round value so far this year. That's incredible. Three blocks a game, I don't know if that holds up all year. That's a big number. 1.6 steals, that actually could hold up all year. 11.7 boards, those are sustainable for a guy playing mid-30s in minutes. He doesn't take many shots, so it's not like he needs a bunch of volume. I think the only thing we're looking at right now and saying, meh, is the blocks. Three's probably going to come down a little bit. He also has made basically every free throw he's taken, which, mind you, hasn't been many. Um, but he was an 82%er last year, so to maybe make another leap into the mid-80s is conceivable. He just looks like a stud, a bona fide superstar. He is also probably a little bit of a sell high. Could you go out and get someone drafted in the second round right now for him? You probably could. It would completely change the complexion of your team, but you probably could do it. I guess the, the question really is, do you want to? Or do you want to just ride it out? He might be one of the most fun guys to have on your team all season long. Vooch, 19-11-7, nearly a triple-double. That by-low window is still ever so slightly open, but barely. Number 42, the field goal percent is what's bringing him down. Everything else is pretty close. He starts making a couple of shots, the points go up, the threes go up, uh, the field goal percent goes up, and then all of a sudden he's back to being a second-rounder again. Um Maybe that's your move, Jonathan Isaac for Nick Vucevic. It's going to cost you some defensive stats, but it's going to get you 
a whole bunch of points. It will be field goal percent at some point. Rebounds, assists will be higher. Something to think about. This is as good as it's going to get for Jonathan Isaac. I mean, a near 5x5, five five, That's your. this is your selling point, even though, as I just mentioned, things could stay pretty sweet. Um, DJ Augustine saw 28 minutes. Markel Fultz just 24, so that's going to continue to be a problem. Again, neither guy belongs on your team. For Dallas, uh, we're seeing a lot of DeLon Wright hate after this ballgame, and for good reason. He only had two assists, and somehow, despite basically throwing a goose egg into his season averages, he's still number 62 in nine cats, so relax. Yeah, it was really bad. He played 13 minutes, but his previous games were 28, 25, 24, 23, 32. He's been fine. He does all sorts of stuff across the board on good percentages. Relax. He's not a points league kind of guy. He's a nine cat guy. If you expected him to just take over an offense with uh, Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis, you probably were being a bit too hopeful. Here's something that's weird. Porzingis is averaging 19 and eight with 2.3 blocks per game, and he's the number 83 guy in nine cat. What you may have not noticed is that he's shooting a high volume 41% from the field and 68%, that's a weird one, at the free throw line. He is, in Roto, a buy low. It's pretty weird. Um, Although his owners might not even realize it. So it might be one of those buy low things where you're like, your guy's ranked 83, and the owner's like, no, he's not. Because he's just done stuff. The real news from this ballgame, as far as I'm concerned, wasn't DeLon Wright not playing, but Dwight Powell starting and playing 34 minutes. This is what we were waiting for. Uh, and I said I was starting him after they, uh, the game where he played 27 minutes. That one to me was the indicator that he was ready to roll. Uh, 34 minutes is obviously a, a very good thing. 12 points, 8 boards, a steal, good percentages. He's, he's going to be a really nice roto guy for you to have on your team. He could legitimately average 12 and 8 with a steal on good percentages, and he'd be a, well inside the top 100 second center for your fantasy team. Really nice player. I know he was on wires in a lot of leagues because he started the year hurt, uh, but hopefully you have him. I have him in three places. Two of my five most important leagues I have him on my team, so I'm pretty excited about him getting going. That's a good thing. Philly got their superstar back, and I faded them, and that was a push, so that's fine. Rudy Gobert looked good. He had to deal with uh, Joel Embiid, so they needed more of him on the Utah side. And uh, I keep saying, is something going to wake him up? And maybe this will be the one. He did foul out. Embiid shot 18 free throws. I'm sure Utah was thrilled about that. Uh, the real news from this ballgame, well, besides Mike Conley being okay, you know, not great, but okay, is Ben Simmons, who sprained his AC joint. I believe that stands for acromioclavicular. It's your shoulder. Um, we don't have a timetable on him yet. He's a pretty tough kid. Um, but I've got to admit, I, I have to assume he's going to miss a couple of ball games. Raul Neto, and I know it's an R, but I've watched enough Utah Jazz games over the years to know that the R in his name is actually pronounced like an H. Raul, or silent. Raul Neto. 11 points, 4 assists, 3 steals. Um, the 3 steals really floated his line. He's not going to do much when he's on the floor. So if you're picking him up to stream, understand that you're going to get a very low usage point guard a la DJ Augustine. Josh Richardson stepped up when Simmons went down. Um, Tobias Harris had a rare quiet game, but he'll be fine. He's been terrific. You know, I love I love me some Toby. 
He's number 38 in nine cat, and he was drafted around 50. And I, you know, he, there's no reason to think he can't just cruise along in the 30s all season long. Super durable. Uh, if he doesn't, if there's no injury, knock on my fake wood desk here. I, I think Tobias Harris could be a top 25 guy by totals at the end of the year. Uh, but Jay Rich, this is going to be a really nice run for him. I thought we might see more Tybool in this game, but all of you guys that keep yelling at me about him, you can just keep yelling. Two points, no defensive stats. It always levels out, people. It always levels out. His six defensive stats per game are down to three, which is still a really high number, by the way. Um, but that's two games in a row where he's played a total of 18 minutes and had no defensive stats because he doesn't do anything else. No one averages four defensive stats a game. It just doesn't happen. Sorry. Milwaukee took the Clippers a little bit lightly, and uh, Clippers gave them a good run for it. Clips covered, by the way, so that was fun. Uh, Milwaukee was favored by six, six and a half on the road. Clippers covered uh, thanks to Pat Beverly, a double-double. Montrez, double-double. Lou Williams, double-double. Those three guys would go crazy if Kawhi and Paul George were ever out together. Um, They were for this one. Landry Shamit got hot late in this game as well. Jermichael Green has actually quietly been a pretty good fantasy player this year. I'm not sure that that's going to go away. He's number 116 in nine cat. Very quiet 116. Um, On the shoulders of good percentages and two and a half three-pointers and five rebounds per game. Nothing really on the defensive side. I'd love to see him just sort of tumble into a steal or a block. He's available in a lot of leagues. I don't think he's a guy you start if you're in a, an 82-game cap roto-type deal. Uh, certainly not 8-cat. But 9-cat, You're this is a guy probably if you're in more of like a head-to-head unlimited games, you know, 14, 15 roster slots, then he makes sense as a guy you just toss in there. He's not going to turn the ball over at all, so I'll help you in that one. Points, rebounds, threes, good percentages. Just kind of helps your team quietly. Because a lot of times your end-of-bench guy in those head-to-head leagues is someone that's dragging you down in some way. You want somebody that adds to your team just quietly. What I wonder about with Jermichael Green is, and he played 32 minutes in that game last night, what I wonder is how does all of this change when Paul George comes back? Number one, what we've seen is when Kawhi Leonard is in there, uh, it's sort of like a little bit from everybody, right? So a little bit less from Jermichael Green. You know, Rodney Magruder, Jerome Robinson, those guys play four or five minutes less apiece. Patrick Patterson... It just it comes from all over the place. Who is going to be the guy that gets blasted when Paul George is playing 32 minutes a game? I'm not certain yet, to be honest. You may just see no playing time for Rodney Magruder, and you might see zero playing time for Jerome Robinson, where these guys where it's like, yeah, maybe, you know, three minutes here, three minutes there. It might be like 12, 15 minutes from these guys just evaporates. But I think they need Jermichael Green when they have to go a little bit bigger and space the floor. Because Montrez is a great energy center, but he's not a floor spacer. The whole Montrez is shooting three-pointers thing in the offseason was, as expected, a mirage. He hasn't made one yet this year. Because it's not his game. I mean, I'm <laughs> training camp, man. Training camp is so dumb. Um, Pat Beverly probably sees a few minutes come off. Lou Williams likely sees a couple minutes come off. It's going to come from all over the place. Shamit as well. Zubots played eight minutes last night. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, it's a little bit like the Avery Bradley thing going on for the Lakers where everybody's just like, yes, and I'm not seeing it. 
Why do we care? We care because the Clippers fleeced him off of the Lakers, which, again, totally stupid trade the Lakers made last year to give away a young guy with any kind of prospects for Mike Muscala for two months. But whatever. They probably weren't going to re-sign Zubats anyway. They wanted that cash for all the other guys that were getting in the offseason. Uh, the Zubats love is crazy. He's, he's very much a backup center, and they start him sometimes for reasons unknown. They didn't even start him in this ballgame. Montrez played 39 minutes. I don't get it. But that's not the point here. He's, by the way, Zubat's 32% owned. The fact that he's more owned than some of the other guys we've talked about earlier in the show is an indictment, by the way, of like why people are into this. Um, Jamichael Green is the, is the name we're covering right now because he just sort of fits what they want to do more. Space the floor. Give people some room. Rebound. So I think he actually could hold on to right on the edge of value in those formats. I don't know why I just spent so much time talking about Jermichael Green. But you know what? That's what we do on these podcasts. We dive deep, damn it. I don't, I don't even know. I'm looking at all my leagues. I'm like, where could I even use a guy like this? And the answer is basically nowhere. Guys, check out manscaped.com for your specialty grooming needs. Manscaped.com. Use promo code HOOPBALL and get 20% off and free shipping on your order. Check out the Lawnmower 2.0. It's been revamped, upgraded, remodeled, spruced with proprietary skin-safe technology so you won't nick or snag. Very important thing. Take care of yourself, guys. Specialty grooming, 85% of women actually believe that bad grooming is a major, major turnoff. Uh, 6,000 strokes per minute on that new lawnmower. Battery life is an hour long. I mean, I don't know what you're doing with it for an hour, but you don't have to worry about charging it in between. Replaceable head. You can wash it. It's waterproof. It's just a really, really good product. They got some other stuff there as well. They've got um, crop preservers. They've got deodorants. They've got scents. They've got like straight up straight razor type stuff as well. And they partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society, which is the part that you guys know I like the most, the fact that they're doing good right? Do a little good. Check them out. Manscaped, M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. Promo code HOOPBALL, 20% off. Free shipping. Again, free shipping and 20% off with promo code HOOPBALL at manscaped.com. Your Thursday card. Short one. This should be pretty easy. Boston at Charlotte. Boston favored by seven and a half on a road. Um, I would expect a quiet game, by the way, from Gordon Hayward. He went huge. Guys often follow those up with a little bit of a step back. Not Super interested in the uh, betting line on this one in either direction. It's hard to cover a big number on the road. Even if you're the far superior team, there really isn't much else going on for these two clubs. They haven't played yet this year. Oklahoma City and San Antonio. I like what OKC's doing. I feel like they're actually getting better by the day. They beat the Magic. They beat the Pels. A couple wins in a row after losing to the Trailblazers and the Rockets. Those are tough games. Uh, Chris Paul settling in is a huge deal for the Thunder. And I would, there's a slight lean in their direction on this one. Five-point lean. Not a big deal. Um, these two teams will play each other again in the not-too-distant future. No revenge angles here. No fatigue angles here. So there isn't that stuff going on. I just like the way the Thunder look right now. And I don't as much about the Spurs. Miami got waxed in Denver. You can bet they're going to be a little bit pissed coming out with this one in Phoenix. But Phoenix has been good. Phoenix favored by a point. 
which is probably a pretty fair line. This is going to be a good ball game. Portland is in L.A. Clippers by five and a half with Kawhi coming back. Portland's been a little hit or miss so far this year. Um, man, that's been a weird team, actually. The Blazers, I feel like if you just thought about how they've played, you'd assume that they're in good shape, but they're actually three and four so far and just lost to the Warriors. I believe this will be a good ball game as well. And so if you think it's going to be tight, you take the team that's catching points. I like the Blazers a bit. Uh, as five-and-a-half-point underdogs. If you want to bet along with us, do it at mybookie.ag. Open up an account with promo code today, and mybookie will match your first deposit up to $1,000. Mybookie.ag. If you accidentally type in mybookie.com, it's fine. They'll take you to the right page anyway. Again, promo code is the word today, T-O-D-A-Y. Bet along with us. We've been doing much, much better now. First couple of weeks, I always say you, you want to take it easy, particularly the first seven to ten days. And then I think we're... You know, Brew won his best bet, and Neil won his, and we had our uh, uh, injured star stuff. That went one and with a push. So things are uh, things are starting to settle in a little bit, and this is where we can really start to, to cash it in. From a fantasy standpoint, you know, we're always watching the Spurs to see how the minutes shake out there. Uh, Miami, Myers-Leonard, Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Harrow, how is that all going as they now really get healthy? James Johnson's playing. Is Kelly Olynyk starting to look better? With Jimmy Butler back, how much is... And and Justice Winslow. Oh, boy, forgot about him for a second. I don't like his fantasy game. We've been down this road a million times. You guys, I, he's a guy I think that just gets... You get caught up in the in the popcorns too easily. Justice Winslow's outside the top 200 in 9-cat this year. And his turnovers have been at 3.2, which isn't good. It's not the only reason. Bad field goal percent, bad free throw percent, bad three-pointers, bad turnovers. Four bad things out of nine is way too many. The good has to be so good to make up for that, and it hasn't been. Phoenix, I think we've got a pretty good handle on, although I'm keeping one eye on Mikhail Bridges because he's actually been very quietly trending up over the last couple of ball games. 19 minutes, he had a good stat line. 25 minutes, he had an okay stat line. He's a guy that can just sort of coast into a better place in nine category leagues without doing much. You know, he's number 161 right now, and he's been horrendous. But those steals are always going to be high. And if anything else follows the steals, a couple of three-pointers, a couple of rebounds, that's all it takes for someone with his type of stat set. So I'm fine with leaving him on the wire for now, but keep one eye on him. Portland, similar thing. We're watching the the front court. You know, Zach Collins is basically out for the season now. We haven't seen an obvious step-up guy. It was Azonia for one game, but that was when Whiteside was out. Uh, is it going to be more Rodney Hood, Kent Bazemore playing together, potentially? Do we see more Anthony Tolliver? They're going to have to figure this out. I would suggest swinging a trade for somebody, but I don't know if they can do that until all these new contracts settle in. Uh, and then the Clippers, Kawhi's back, so yeah, not much to uh, to check in on over there, folks. I, you know, I this is me begging and pleading here towards the end of the week. Please, if you like, if you like the pod, drop a five star review on that bad boy. Do it on iTunes on your computer. Do it on the podcast app on your mobile device. It's very easy. Use the search function. Search for Fantasy NBA. And by the time you type that in, ours will pop up as the most likely searched name. You can use that if you want. You can just hit the search button, whatever you like. Uh, click on our logo, that sweet basketball with uh, headphones on. 
And when you click on the logo, scroll down to the bottom. That's where you can rate and review. I really need these right now. Bring them on. Lavish. Pour them upon me. And what I'll also say on the other side is, and this is, you know, a little bit of a, of a butt thing to do. Uh, if you hate the show, I understand, you know, you can you can leave a terrible review if you want to. But it would actually be more helpful for me if you just shot me over a note on Twitter. Let me know things, something that I'm doing that maybe you don't like very much. I know we have an ad at the beginning of the show, and, and that drives some of you crazy. But you, you can skip the first 90 seconds if you want. Um, I, I'd rather you actually listen to the ad and go to the website. But... We've worked really hard over the years here to try to shorten the outsets, uh, try to stay on point. Sometimes we get a little sidetracked with fun stuff. Whatever you guys are thinking, you can let me know. It doesn't mean I'm going to change everything, but if it's a constructive idea, I'm happy to hear it. And then again, if you love the podcast, please do throw that five-star review on it. It's so big for us. Recruiting call continues here at HoopBall. We've basically got everybody settled in. Well, that's not entirely true. Most people settled in from our first recruiting blitz uh, about a month, month and a half ago. If you're listening, you're still thinking about hopping on, wanting to do something with us, we are continuing to look for contributors, particularly in the podcast marketing division. You would get to work with me. Lucky you. <laughs> we need folks that are good with computers. We need folks that are good with podcasting. Uh, and then if you've got a skill that I haven't even thought of yet, hit me up at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you can't, if you don't have social media, shoot an email over to support at hoop-ball.com. Attention, Dan, and I will get it. Support at hoop-ball.com. That's for those of you without social media. Tomorrow, really cool surprise guest. I'm not going to tell you about it. I decided I would go full teaser mode on that. You'll basically never guess. There's almost no chance. You could guess a hundred times and you wouldn't know who it's going to be. Surprise guest tomorrow. Big one. Excited about it. We will talk to you then. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.